Hey everybody, you're listening to Don't Be Afraid of Your Dreams, the podcast where we talk about the movies we love and the monsters we all face. I'm your host, David Anderson, and today is October 26th, 2020, A Course in Fearicles, Day 26. With me is my favorite fellow horror-loving gay, Alexander Leje Small. Hi, Alexander. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you so much for being here. I have a couple questions I need to get out of the way right up front. What is your relationship with horror versus Halloween? Because a lot of times they go hand in hand, but they're not necessarily the same thing. And people who love one don't necessarily love the other. So where do you fall on that spectrum? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, Horror is all year long for me, uh, without a question. But Halloween is definitely something I indulge in for the month of October. Um, I also feel like Halloween has a lot more uh, weight behind it, not just because of, you know, my memories as a kid and it's something that we do every year, but because it is a religious event for pagans, neo-pagans, traditionalists, whatever you want to call them. There's a seriousness to Halloween that I don't feel like is necessary for horror. That's a good point. So where does where do you fall as far as Halloween is concerned? How seriously or not do you take it? So I'm not I'm not a Halloween decorator. So I'm not serious about it in that way, which I'm sure is anathema to you. Um but I I carve pumpkins and uh my husband and I have a pretty spiritual life so we definitely honor the Samhain and all Hallows Eve and all Saints kind of aspects of the holiday a little more than the candy and kitties aspect of it sure I love that well I'm all about a Halloween grab bag and to me that's the beauty of it you can go super serious or just sort of take it at surface level enjoy the fun whatever you want Halloween is nothing if not a shape-shifting bitch so make of her (laughs) make of her what you will (laughs) have you carved pumpkins yet this year Uh, We got our pumpkins yesterday. I think we will carve them tonight or tomorrow. Well, I am excited for you. And, you know, you and I know each other because we're also big Tori Amos fans. And I happen to co-host a Tori Amos podcast. And I bring that up because a lot of people who listen to that show also listen to this show. But through that experience, I've discovered that there is far more overlap between the horror community and the Tory community than I would have guessed. I kind of felt like I was one of the few out there going into it, but it turns out there are quite a few of us, and I'm so happy to have discovered and feel like part of even a larger community than I knew I was part of. So what do you think is the commonality there, or why do you think that overlap exists? Well, I think you touched on this uh, maybe a week or so ago when you were talking about being a different kid or a queer kid and finding a sense of community and a sense of self through horror. I would say that's really true for me as well as just genre fiction in general. Like I'm a big fantasy and sci-fi fan. But I think kids like that, especially when we were younger and coming into Tori, and I think we got into her around the same age-ish, 
Um, it was another place to be found and she was weird and she was weird in the ways that I was. And there is a fantastical to her lyrics and there is a lot of darkness to her lyrics. I mean, even if you're in the first album, like me and a gun is a horror story. It is, it's not a jump scare story, but it is something terrible that has happened to somebody. And you go through that with her and you get the catharsis that you get from getting to the end of the scary movie you know tori is the final girl in a lot of ways she always survives i love that and that had not occurred to me until you articulated it just now and can it be possible that with each day my love of both tori and horror grows and i appreciate it more and more <laughs> just when i think i've reached the ceiling there's a whole nother level i can ascend to that's amazing i think you're so right there is a level of horror to her music and a kind of gothic quality too yeah but not in like an obvious like hot topic kind of way for <laughs> no. sure but i think it kind of makes sense that if you have a horror sensibility you would be drawn to her music and as gay men too i would say probably the overlap exists because both horror and music specifically music like tori's music is about kind of a heightened emotion mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of operatic in its own way so i think we're kind of drawn to that drama if you will um and yes. the, the extreme <laughs> the extreme nature of it all so <laughs> so we were talking a little bit off air about <laughs> the role that our mothers, our respective mothers, our great mothers have played in our lives, informing not only who we are as people, of course, but our tastes um, in movies and music. And you credit your mom with your love of horror. Is that true? I do. Um, so my mom was always a big reader and I'm a writer as well. And my mom inspired me through reading. And some of my earliest memories are going on vacations and she would always grab like a dime store copy of like a Dean Coot or a Stephen King and that was there on our camping trips with us and I always wanted to read them and when I was around 10 she gave me uh, a lesser known Stephen King book that he wrote with another man called uh, The Talisman mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's a mix of horror and fantasy and it just rung all of my bells and from there it was, it was just downhill and as soon as she realized I liked the dark and the scary it was like we would watch Dark Shadows when I got home from school when it was on in reruns and she would take me to see scary movies and I can remember being god it had to be maybe 11 and I was so excited that Hocus Pocus was out in the theater and my mom took me and she thought it was going to be like a really scary movie but it was not at all I mean obviously we've all seen Hocus Pocus and it's <laughs> adorable um, but my mom was very disappointed when we got out and I was fine I was like this is great too but my mom definitely veers darker than I tend to well we need to get your mom on an episode too I need to hear her story <laughs> like what's she working through I love that <laughs> well you posted your top 10 list which yes. I was fascinated by and so loved seeing so maybe we can walk through some of these this is quite a diverse list sure and I love that you have both 
past and present um, or near present represented. I think for me, and I've talked about this on the show, it's really difficult for something recent to crack my top 10 or even 20 because I have so much nostalgia around my favorite movies that I've watched over and over again for years and years that something has to be truly, truly special for me to even really give it the time of day, <laughs> let alone <laughs> put it on my top 10. And you've included the remake of Suspiria. Let's talk about that. Sure. So I had not seen the original before I saw the remake and I have since watched them and watched them back to back to like get the different feelings but oh my god Tilda Swinton oh my god always and forever always and forever but really um I come from an art and theater background as well and the art direction in that was just absolutely incredible when I was making this list I wanted it not just to be the things that I went back to, but things that scared me for different reasons Mm. and kind of ticked different boxes on what kind of scary I like. I love a bad bitch. There's no getting around it. And that movie was full of them. And this, the concept of witches underground for long periods of time, worshiping this like high bitch, witch, like it, it rang, it rang my bells and I, I could watch it again and again. It's not something that I've managed to get tired of yet. No kidding. We love a bitch and a witch. So put your hands together. That is a party for sure. It's actually a really beautiful movie too, though. Like beautiful in its grotesqueness, which is my vibe. So yeah, I I remember getting to the end and having the reveal of the the hidden witch and having that visceral moment. And it's rare that I can really get that through film anymore because it feels like you know you've seen it and it's all been done before. And I'm also I'm not one for a saw or anything that's too like murder porn. I need a little more thought and less slash, but still the the reveal of that witch was literally stomach turning and that's a success in my book. Well, maybe sometimes those things are effectively combined because you've also included Antichrist on here, which has a very, <laughs> very shocking act of mutilation. Yes, it does. Um, amongst other things. And I, I went to see that movie with a friend in the theater and that's one of the few times I've considered walking out of a movie not because I was offended by it or anything because I literally needed like a break like a breath I was like I might go stand in the lobby for just like a minute because this this is really really weighing heavily on me so what was your experience with that movie did you see it at home for the first time or I did I watched it alone uh after I had just moved to Brooklyn and I was pretty young um but the way you described it is why it's on the list it's a film that I could never watch again it was so beyond what I thought I could handle and what I thought horror could be Uh, thinking back on it just brings me back to the the feeling of looking and not being able to look away and biting my lips so hard because i didn't know if i was gonna scream or cry it's more emotionally terrifying to me than physically terrifying oh yeah that that moment of mutilation is is cringeworthy to be sure but it was a, a film as well that i never saw where it was going and i think that that is a mark of success as well, especially in a horror film, because they can so often get 
tied to tropes, but a movie that's surprising is something special for sure. And I, I again, I will never watch it again. I absolutely cannot. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that because I feel the same way. That is something I never need to watch again. But when I saw it on your list, I was like, is he just like, you know what sounds good tonight on a Thursday? Antichrist. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that on there. <laughs> No, thank you. That's not a film I could ever say I enjoyed, Mm -hmm. but I give it a lot of credit because it is so rare that something can have that kind of impact on me. It's like, really? Watching a movie has made me feel like I'm being suffocated to death and like I'm physically ill and that I've lost the will to live. Like that, Mm -hmm. that is a feat. Not one that I want (laughs) to have repeated necessarily, but it's pretty amazing just as a piece of art that it could have that impact. So I think, and this loops back to something you were talking about earlier when we were talking about Tori and emotions. I think that a lot of the times, at least for me, I don't know about other people, but watching a horror movie is about eliciting emotions and like going along for the ride with it and knowing that I can be terrified and not be in danger in actuality and the terror will end and I'll be able to go back to my life and that is fun. I think with Antichrist, that never really stopped for me. So I can't think about it too much or I haven't moved away from it. And you know, most people when they think of horror and use that term, there's an implied sense of kind of fun to it, which I can appreciate. And something like Antichrist transcends horror, although there's not a more appropriate word because it is truly horrific. But there's no sense of fun about it. You don't get that roller coaster kind of haunted house feeling where you're like, oh, good, you breathe a sigh of relief and we survived and we defeated the monster. I, in fact, wished I was dead at the end of that movie. (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm with you. Yes. So that's not going on our watch list no. when we're going to watch scary movies together. No, no, definitely not. But you know what will be on there is A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, which you have coming in hot at number two. Yeah. So here's my Nightmare on Elm Street story. So when I was probably around 10 or 11, my mom sent me to go spend a week with her youngest sister, who's like 20 years younger. She was like the cool young aunt, and she definitely wanted to be for me. So she rented all of the Nightmare on Elm Street streets and we watched them all in one day (laughs) and it was amazing and it was my first introduction to like that kind of horror i had like danced around it in books and seen some scary things but that classic 80s horror and when i watched dream warriors she had like left to go do something so i was watching it on my own and i hate to harp on this but as a queer little kid who knew i was different all of these weirdos come together and they work as a team and some of them don't make it a lot of them don't make it but they get to win and to a certain extent and they get to have a community that believes them and believes in them and for me being a kid when the whole world was scary in a lot of ways the idea that I could put together like my my sort of war party and be like one of them was very inspirational to me and I go back to it like on a completely different note from Antichrist like I can go back to that and I feel like I'm hanging out with friends and it's really reassuring like that's a good sick day movie for me listen we can't see each other but I just realized as you were talking that I had a big smile on my face because (laughs) no surprise I so identify with everything you're saying and what do you mean you don't want to harp on it we are two queer men talking about (laughs) horror like of course that's the lens through which we're going to experience the world 
and movies and everything else. But you're so right. And I love, to me, one, three, and seven, the Langen Campers of the, yes. of the series, they really make the perfect trilogy. Um, and kind of like you were laying out, like one's journey almost to adulthood and to queer adulthood, really. But especially Dream Warriors, that's adolescence into your 20s when you're not only finding who you are, but finding a sense of community, for sure. And by the time we get to New Nightmare, you're, you know, becoming self-actualized, we hope, and transcending your story, whatever that may have been. So I find that 137 journey very satisfying. I, I agree with you there. I've never actually painted it as a journey like that. But as soon as you said it, it clicked. And I see that as a trilogy within the larger franchise, for sure. We need a watch party. Oh, my gosh. I've never yes, needed please. anything more. <laughs> so and number one, Return to Oz which I love that not only you define Return to Oz as a horror movie, but you rank it as number one. <laughs> Tell me everything. Uh, so it is probably my favorite movie of all time. In tribute to your friend, it is my The Mask. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, with the exception, True Beverly Hills is also in that category, but does not fall into this wow. conversation. Good company. So, Good company. <laughs> if you haven't seen Return to Oz, for, for the rest of the listeners, imagine that Dorothy comes back from Kansas and nobody believes her, and she's put into a mental institution and given electroshock. Yes! That's the premise of... That is a horror film right there. It is not It is not a cowardly lion. It's not a sweet scarecrow. And then she goes to Oz. She doesn't she narrowly escapes the electroshock and then when she gets to oz everything is twisted it's the good dream has become a nightmare no one wants to help her everyone is out to get her there are men with wheels for hands and feet there's a evil queen who can take off her head and change it into one of 30 others and it's gorgeous it's like this weird 80s art deco imagining uh just lots of mirrors and guilt and little baby Feruza Balk plays Dorothy practicing for her role later in the craft as Nancy and she is unhinged and bizarre there's a little bit of drag there's a king who steals her ruby slippers it was just perfect for me and it still scares me to this day can you believe that we lived in a world in which there was a pitch where anyone thought this was a good idea as a children's movie but also <laughs> as a sequel to probably the most beloved film of all time like like, I love that that not only happened, but that everyone was like, yeah, that's absolutely the direction we should go. And they were right, I think. I don't think audi- audiences in general did not think so. But I think that film has, its reputation has grown over the years and it is truly appreciated now. But you're so right. And of course, the headless witch with all her heads in her cabinets is one image that terrorized and traumatized our entire generation. Like everyone yep. our age knows exactly what you're talking about, right? Yep. I had uh, my godmother, who is my mom's best friend, would chase me around the house with a blanket over her shoulders, screaming, Dorothy Gale, reenacting that scene because I loved it so much. (laughs) All right. Well, when you and I finally get together, we have our watch list ready to go. I can't wait. I can't Uh, wait either. I feel like we're already friends because I've spoken with you so many times over the past couple years. But I I really look forward to the day we actually get to meet. Me too. It's crazy that we've never actually met in person. So hopefully one day when the world returns to some version of normal, that will happen. And until 
until then, many things, including Halloween, look a little different. So we're coming up on the big day. What's it going to look like for you this year? How are you going to celebrate? Uh, well, I just moved to a very Nightmare on Elm Streety neighborhood. Uh, so I am looking forward to actually having trick-or-treaters this year for uh. probably the first time in my life. Uh, hopefully, with the pandemic, people still let their kids go out. I'll probably just leave some candy on the porch for them to take. But i uh, going to carve our pumpkins and rake some leaves it's it's fall here in new england so i'm soaking it up what more could you wish for well congratulations on your new home i hope you you get some trick-or-treaters because that is a dream come true for me i love a trick-or-treater and i'm not kidding if i'm ever in a position to be shopping for a home i will be asking the neighbors what the trick-or-treat traffic is like to make sure that i'm moving into a home where kids will be coming to the door because i need that in my life so i hope that happens for you if not this year then next year for sure thank you and i hope it happens for you too i feel like it's part of being becoming a responsible adult as a kid who loved getting dressed up and getting my candy I feel like I need to give back and I hear that in you as well so I support you oh thank you that actually is very meaningful to me I appreciate that (laughs) but in the meantime there is no one I would have rather have come than you trick-or-treating at my virtual door so thank you so much for being here I so enjoyed this Thank you for having me, and uh, happy Halloween, David. Thanks for doing this. You've done a fantastic job this month. Oh, thank you so much. Happy Halloween. I'll talk to you again soon. Okay, bye. Bye. This show is an Unreliable Narrator production. For more information, visit unreliablenarrator.org.